thank you for that warm greeting. If you turn to your, uh, into your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 1, I would like to begin with a question. How much would you, would you pay to avoid mistakes that you regret? Ever find yourself at night thinking about the things that have happened in the past where you've made a choice and just fret about them? Maybe you have to pray them away, give them to God. How much would you pay to have avoided that regret or any other regrets that keep you up at night in the future? I'd like to begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we need you at this moment. I need you in order to speak. It is a tall order. It is a scary thing to hold the word of God and to proclaim your truths clearly, truthfully to others. God, give me the ability to preach this morning, and I pray for everyone here. Give us open ears and open hearts to receive your word today. People are not here to hear Lambert Baptist's grandson. We are here to hear from you today. So Lord, I pray you would bless everyone this morning with your word, through your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> when I was invited to speak this morning on, uh, well, the Bible, they just gave me, what do you wanna preach on? And I prayed hard about what I would preach on today. And so I said I would preach on Proverbs. Obviously, I can't preach through every single verse. That would take a little bit more time than we have this morning. So I will preach through the first nine chapters instead. <laughs> what is a proverb? There's various ways to define it, especially when you look throughout the Bible and how it's used. But I like how proverb defines it. In verse six, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. These are wise sayings. Early, early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, or apparently 40. What is the goal of a proverb? Let's go right from verse one in Proverbs chapter one. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. There's a reason why I read through all of that, but to condense it all is to make you wise. Now the question though is, well what is wisdom? And that actually can be difficult to define. You look through different dictionaries and they come up with different definitions. For example, Merriam-Webster gives a, a good one, the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. Dictionary.com says, uh, the quality or state of being wise. I found that very not helpful at all. Britannica, 
Britannica defines it as knowledge that is gained by having many experiences in life. All right. I, I found these okay. I, I was like, okay, all right, I can work with these ones. But they were all lacking in one area. So how does the Bible define it? Again, I, I said before, it, it can be difficult. Uh, these verses give a whole list of different things. Uh, insight, discipline, prudence, righteousness, justice, fairness, knowledge, discretion. But sometimes these are used interchangeably with wisdom itself. So it can be kind of difficult. So what I'd like to do instead, instead of defining wisdom, I would like to describe wisdom. And if you're wondering, well, what's the difference? Uh, we're gonna turn to the verse that we had up at the front uh, earlier today, which is in Proverbs chapter eight. And I will tell you right now that in Proverbs chapter eight, wisdom is described as a woman. Happy Mother's Day. Again, I will be reading this. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights along the way where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city. At the entrances, she cries aloud, to you, O men, I call aloud. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, get prudence. You who are foolish, get understanding, listen. I have worthy things to say. Ladies, do you ever feel like that? No? Okay. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. Why does Proverbs describe wisdom as a woman? And to answer that question, I just want to take a step back from this passage. And I need to ask, uh, well, what does the book of Proverbs contain uh, according to Proverbs 1.1, and the answer is obviously Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. The book of Proverbs contains Proverbs from Solomon. Who was Solomon? The son of David, king of Israel. He was the wisest king that has ever lived. Many of you know the story in 1 Kings chapter 3 where Solomon has that dream and God meets him in that dream and basically writes him a blank check and says, whatever you want, just ask and I'll give it to you. And he asks because he's, he's new to this king thing. Right? He may be around 20 years old, but he's new and he considers himself an ar, a child. And he asks for discernment for ruling his kingdom. He asks for wisdom. And God makes him the wisest king that has ever lived. And that's not my words. That's God's words. First, king, uh, first Kings chapter 3, verse 12. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be, never have been anyone like you nor will there ever be. So he was the wisest king who has ever lived. Second, who is he writing to? Chapter one, verse eight says, listen, my son. He's writing to his son. Who is his son? It doesn't say, but I would argue that it, would be, uh, it could be Rehoboam, one of his sons, who tore the kingdom apart. Listen, my son. Solomon wants to give his son, Rehoboam, 
an inheritance, an inheritance greater than all the riches in his kingdom, all the fame, all the power. He wants to give him an inheritance of wisdom. That's what's on his mind. Now, how does this answer the question of why wisdom in Proverbs is described as a woman? Well, first of all, I would say that Solomon was a very observant guy. When you read through Proverbs and he starts off with like something, like a madman throwing firebrands and arrows in death is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. He's an observant person. Proverbs 6, 6. Uh, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no overseer, commander, or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food in harvest. Proverbs 25. I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Stones had, thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. He was an observant fellow. And he had more than one wife. He had about a thousand. So if he's an observant individual, he could observe women. He had a lot of inspiration. Second, he's talking to his son. It's a guy talking to another guy. What do guys like? Cars. Okay. It's a talk. Guys tend to find women desirable to varying degrees. And Solomon wants his son to desire wisdom. And so he makes that connection for him. There's a neat little thing with regards to chapter 7. In chapter 7, there is this woman, and she is an adulteress. She basically is folly. She's the type of person that leads to death. She's the type of person you avoid. And then what follows chapter 7? Chapter 8, which we just read. Wisdom, who is defined or described as a woman, and she is desirable. That's why it says in verse 8, 11, for wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. How is wisdom desirable? First thing, she is righteous. Ladies, you want to be seen as beautiful, don't you? And you do different things in order to be seen as attractive, especially to the one that loves you and the one that you love. You know, maybe makeup, maybe hair, the way you dress. You want to be seen as attractive. But wisdom does not have externals, of course. Her, uh, what is attractive to her, about her is, that, is her internal qualities, not her external. Righteousness is one of the ways that wisdom is desirable. And I said that all the world's definitions were lacking in one area. The area that they're lacking is that they're all focused on the intellectual, the experiences you have, the insight that you have. The biblical understanding of wisdom is moral. It is not purely intellectual. It is a doing. This is one of the interesting things. If you have a different um, translation than the NIV, 
You might have noticed that at the beginning it said, uh, in your translation, righteousness, justice, and fairness. Whereas the NIV says, doing what is righteous, or doing what is right and just and fair. There is an element of action, proper action in wisdom. It's not just the intellectual who you should follow, it is the person who can properly apply wisdom that you should listen to. What does Proverbs 8, wisdom's righteousness, look like? Verse 13. The fear of the Lord, uh, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. She fears the Lord, and she hates evil. This hating evil isn't something where it's like, oh, I kind of don't like it. You know, I would prefer uh, Tim Hortons over McDonald's coffee. You know, it's not a preference kind of thing. Nor is it something where it's like, I think this is wrong. It is evil. I'm not going to do it. You know, I would never do that. And then later on, you're like, well, maybe I could get involved with that. Like, Pineapple on pizza or something. It's evil, but maybe I could enjoy it. It is not like that. It's the same Hebrew word that is used to describe of Joseph's brothers when they want to put him to death. They want to rid the world of him completely. It's the same word that's used of the Persians who wanted to destroy the Jews in Esther. It's the same word that God uses when he looks at sin in Deuteronomy 12.31. She hates it. What that means is that she is not just righteous, she is immovably righteous. She cannot be corrupted. That makes her beautiful. Have you ever said, oh, I'll never do that, and then you find you do that? Wisdom never does that. She is desirable because of her righteous character. Get wisdom. Second, she, give, she gives good gifts. You can read about the different gifts in verses 17 to 21 in Proverbs 8. I'll read the last verse in verse 21. Bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. That sounds like a good idea. I like that. I could get behind that. This doesn't mean, I'm not preaching health, wealth, and prosperity gospel kind of stuff, okay? These are wise sayings. You know, if you do these things, generally speaking, things will turn out well. I just want to make that very clear, okay? If you have any doubts about the most righteous person, most wise person, and whether they amassed a whole lot of wealth, look to Christ. Just want to make that clear. But what else does wisdom give? Hospitality, according to chapter 9. She gives life, according to chapter 9, 6. Safety, prosperity, the ability to look ahead and see what's about to come. To give you insight and discernment into a situation where you can just look and see something's not right. I was reminded of a story where there's this one man who was driving up to the cottage. Any people want to go to the cottage soon? A few people? Okay. 
going up to the cottage, and it's a nice drive. Two lanes on his side, and there are trees on either side, and it was a beautiful blue sky. Maybe there was a hawk lazily riding the thermals, cool air, wonderful day to go up to the cottage. And there was this one car on the right-hand side, and he was going the speed limit. Now, if you like to drive fast, you don't like people who are driving the speed limit. You want to go around. And so this man, he had two options. Go behind this one car or go around him and drive on to the cottage. And something didn't seem right. So he fell in behind the car, did the speed limit. And then another car came up, same choice, fell in behind the car that was driving the speed limit. And then another, and then another. And then some young guy decided, I'm going to go past all these old people and go up to the cottage. And so he went past everyone, past the very first vehicle, and kept driving. And the first car turned on the police lights and pulled him over. <laughs> the uh, true story. And I wasn't the one who passed, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> the ability to see Something's not right. This is the way I need to go, because something bad's gonna happen, or something good's gonna happen if I make this choice. I also wanna add, she gives good character. The goal of Proverbs is Christ. It points you to Christ. It wants you to be like Christ. So when you read the book of Proverbs and you read the different things it tells you to do, it's not meant to just have in your head. It's meant to change you, to be a person who works hard, who makes wise decisions, who is more gracious to people, who is humble. She gives good gifts to make you a better person. Do you want to be a better person? Get Wisdom. Third, she is attractive, desirable, because she is a gift from God. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You can wonder, well, what kind of gifts has God given me? A house, car, a job. A lot of people I know do not have jobs your talents, your friends, those who love you and those you love. Your church family is a blessing, a gift from God. Your salvation is a gift from God. And I just wanna say I'm overjoyed to hear of someone receiving the Lord this morning. I was talking to some Muslims last night, so very difficult to reach them but it's so wonderful to be able to share the gospel. But to see the fruit and the work of God, salvation is a gift. Take hold of that. It is a joy, honestly. It is a joy for someone to receive Christ. Wisdom is a gift too. You remember that time where you had just the right words to say? Maybe it was through a bunch of reading that you had, and 
but you had the right thing, or maybe it was just, it, it just came to you. You said something that was so profound and deep, it changed the way the other person thought and helped them to go in the right direction. That's a gift from God. Or being able to act decisively and correctly and powerfully, that is a gift from God too. You look back on those times with fondness, those shining moments, they're all precious moments that are gifts from God. Get wisdom from God. With the fact that she is righteous, that she gives good gifts, that she is a gift from God, it's no wonder that Proverbs says twice, she is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Let that sink into your head. What do you desire? And I know there, there might be some person thinking, you know, I'm super righteous, I only desire Jesus Christ. Okay, we all have at least one thing in this world that we desire. It could be money, it could be fame, it could be security, it could be respect, it could be comfort, it could be sin, where you spend your time thinking, spend your time dreaming, spend your time on, you choose that over wisdom. Wisdom is better than all of that, than all of that. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. But if that's the case, if, if wisdom is so desirable, then why don't people go after it? What keeps people from going after wisdom? And there's a few reasons why. One of them might be it's just confusing to know what the right choice is. It might be confusing to know what is wise and what is folly. I thought it fascinating going through chapter nine because at one point wisdom says, let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. That's in verse nine of cha uh, verse four, chapter nine. And then you have folly. What does she say in verse 16? Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Saying the exact same thing. And sometimes we come to a crossroads a fork in the road, and we're like, which one do I choose? It can be confusing to know which one is wise and which one is folly. Now, as you spend time and you get to hear more about what each says, you get to understand. But at the very beginning, it can be very difficult, and we go, I, I don't know what to do. Second reason why people might not pursue wisdom is because wisdom seems to costly. Wisdom can be found in other people, like if you've ever been to a counselor. They can cost money. Worth it though. They have wisdom, good ones especially. It can come through schooling. That costs money too. It can come through serving others but that might cost something else. Your pride, your energy, your desires, your priorities. Wisdom can come through reading books, 
But that takes time, especially if you're like me, a slow reader, where you contemplate and you have to mess, wrestle with things. It takes time and effort. And I find that people don't necessarily want to take time and effort. More popular books today seem to be very focused on, especially the the fiction ones. They drop you in the middle of a conflict and they just take you for a ride. But the parts where wisdom shines are the slow parts where people are are sitting around a fire just talking. People want to just gloss over those. But I find there's parts where there's truth or there's things that make me want to ponder. But again, our society doesn't want to take time for wisdom, especially if there's no desire, desire behind it. Maybe I'll poke some things here. Some people don't want to go to prayer meeting because it seems boring, repetitious. Oh. Spurgeon said that prayer is the slender nerve that moves the arm of God. Maybe you don't want to come to church too tired. And oftentimes I've found when I felt that way, those were the times where I needed to go. God had something for me. I don't want to spend time reading the Bible because there's YouTube. I'll give you this. There are atheists that I talk to that read the Bible every single day. Do the godless read the Bible more than you? One other thing that makes wisdom so costly is that it requires you to obey Jesus who said, take up your cross and follow me. Where did he go? To death. Following Jesus can cost you everything but it is the wisest choice you could ever make. Wisdom is worth it. Third, we don't always seek after wisdom because of sin. One of the biggest sins that gets in the way of wisdom is pride. Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 13, 10. When pride comes, so does disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom, Proverbs 11.2. It's that type of person who maybe is on the job and he knows what to do, but all the people who are his supervisors and instructors telling him what to do, I got this, I can do this, and makes a mess of things. Doesn't listen. Or the person who presumes to know the other person's motives, and so they just assume things. Or maybe it's not pride, maybe it's laziness. Proverbs talks about the sluggard multiple times. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. In other words, uh, I'm gonna make up reasons why I shouldn't do things. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's greed. And here is a devastating fact with regards to sin because it is not always I am choosing sin over wisdom. It is sometimes our brain shuts off and we're no longer thinking. 
We've made little steps to get to the point where we're going to sin, and we've just carried along that way. Proverbs chapter 7, Solomon's looking out and sees this young man at night, and he's going down this one road towards a prostitute. And then out came a woman to meet him dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She's loud and defiant, and her feet never stay at home. All at once, after she tells him all the things he needs to hear, she's taking care of everything. Her husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a purse filled with money. He won't be back till full moon. And then it says, all at once he followed her. It's like his brain just shut off and he was no longer thinking. He wandered away and got carried away. It starts maybe with a drink or a Google search or a word, and the next thing you know, your brain is shut off, and it says that he was led like an ox to the slaughter. The problem also is not simply that we sin. The problem is also there are consequences to sin, to folly. Guilt, regret, repayment, Ruin. Proverbs 5, 11 to 14 says, at the end of your life you will groan. This is talking about a person who committed adultery. At the end of your life you will groan. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Publicly. Shamed. What can save you from ruin? The wisdom of God. How do we get the wisdom of God? Proverbs 9.10, maybe you have memorized this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I need to slow down, and I'm going to make this point right now because I love hearing the Bible's turning. So I need to slow down to be respectful to you. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear could be respect. I've heard that many times. You know, to fear the Lord, it means respect, and sometimes it does. But fear also can mean fear. I learned that from Francis Chan. How does fear bring wisdom? Well, sometimes we need a little fear to get us going in the right direction. We don't have the strength the way we are, and fear can give us the strength to do what we know we ought to do. A little hopefully humorous story. I was climbing a wall at NBC. I was doing my best. This was when I was younger. And as I'm climbing, there was this one part where it didn't go straight up, it came back over my head. And I was trying to reach to get to it, and I just couldn't, I didn't have the energy to do that. And so I wondered, well, how am I going to get up? I need to get up. Well, what would I do if there was a horde of zombies below me? And I pictured that in my head. 
and so, yeah, and I just reefed myself up. I leapt up the wall and grabbed on, and I kept climbing, and the people who were there, they looked up and were like, huh, and just kept talking. But I felt really good. I was able to get to the top. The fear can cause us to do what is right. When, especially when we don't have the strength within us. When should you fear the Lord? Well, if you're a child of God, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you fear him for his discipline. I'm saying two things with this. First of all, he does not discipline us all the time. Okay, this is not karma. This is a relationship. Sometimes he is gracious, but sometimes he gives us a discipline we need, and it can hurt real bad, but it is necessary. And I also want to add on to that. He does that because he loves you. Proverbs chapter 3. I'll join you in turning there. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Many people, they know five and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart, etc. 11 and 12 is a good one too. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. It will hurt, but it's his love. There's another time when you should fear the Lord, and that is when you are apart from Christ. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, there is a terrible cost. Because God is a righteous judge, and he will judge everyone according to their deeds, and he is a good judge. He is not one who will just let sin go. For example... Have you ever kept the Ten Commandments completely? If you're not aware of what they are, have you ever envied? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever committed adultery? Or as Jesus said, ever looked at another lustfully in your heart? Have you ever hated? That's like murder. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? And as I said to the Muslim last night, if I stood before God, I would be an adulterous, lying, thieving blasphemer and he would have to tell me that I'm guilty I deserve hell and that can be scary especially in the dead of the night there are individuals who have left Christ and honestly they wake up wondering am I going to hell if God is real I'm going to hell and it causes them to be afraid but that fear is meant to drive people in the right direction how? It is meant to drive us to Jesus. You have a huge cross on the back. We know what that is about, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. All of them. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
And this is good news, not just for those who are outside of the family of God at this moment. This is good news for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ also. There are times where Christians will doubt their salvation because of sin. I, I keep going back to this one thing. I keep being angry, or I keep gambling, or I keep going back to alcohol. Am I really saved? I don't know. But if you know Jesus Christ and you know his love, you can answer that question as to whether you are saved because you know the cross. You know that Jesus died on the cross for those very things. And I'm not saying this so that way you can continue to sin. Obviously, we all must repent. But it is good news to say, yes, I have messed up, and God, I am sorry. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Do you know him? The other thing about him is why he teaches, or why running to him teaches you about wisdom is that he lived a perfect life. The way that he lived teaches you how to live. How do we know? How do we know how he lived? You gotta turn to the Bible. It's my third point. Learn the scriptures. And I will give you this challenge. If you cannot do this, at least you know Jesus. But I'm gonna give you this challenge to memorize scripture. I would also say, if you are keen enough, memorize two chapters in Proverbs. You're like, huh? No. Give you a challenge. Reason being, I was talking to an individual who was stuck in pornography. Memorize chapter seven. And I was like, that is awesome. Why did you stop there? Like I said before, you have chapter seven, that's folly. If you're gonna repent, you gotta know where you're repenting to. What are you turning your back from? What are you turning your front to? And if you're going to memorize two chapters, here's another thing about Proverbs. You're probably wondering, well how come it jumps from one topic to another to another? You memorize a chapter, suddenly you have topics on ver uh, Proverbs on different topics. It is good to be able to do that. Memorize. Proverbs chapter two, uh, seven, verses two to three. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them around your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Learn the scriptures from the Bible, but what if you can't? I will also say learn from others especially godly men and women. I'll, I'll mention a few. John MacArthur, you might have heard that name before. James White is another. John Mahaffey is a great guy. Listen, listen to your leaders here. Currently, I'm listening through Proverbs. Paul Washer, I don't know if you know that name from Heart Cry Ministries, did a whole series on Proverbs, verse by verse. It's for little kids, and I'm getting so much out of it. Listen to other people. Listen to godly people. Where did Solomon get his wisdom? Well, he got it from God, right? That's not the whole story. How did he know to ask for wisdom? Solomon gives us insight into his home life in chapter 4. 
reading verse 3 to 5. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me, it's David, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands and you will live, get wisdom, get understanding. He knew to ask for wisdom because of his dad, his family life. Fathers, you have a strong and (laughs) you have a responsibility to teach wisdom to your kids. But in general, learn from godly individuals. Fourth, explore the world with Jesus. Solomon saw wisdom in ants, in nature. He described wisdom uh, as being in the city or in the hills. Like, you can go and explore the world. My son mentioned Sun Tzu, you know? I was like, okay, let's do that. But explore the world with Jesus because sometimes people will tell you things and it's wrong because it's contrary to the word of God. Explore the world with Jesus. There are people who want to change the world and they, have, they see a problem and they have a solution, but just like the definition of wisdom, it might be flawed in some way because it's lacking the gospel. It's lacking true change in individuals' lives. Explore the world, but do it with Jesus. Lastly, pray for it. Pray for wisdom in yourself and for others. James 1.5, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. And with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you also for this morning. The words that have been spoken are now entrusted to people here, and I pray it will be taken and used and applied so we will all become wise. God, these words point to you. Jesus, you lived a perfect life. You were perfectly wise. Let us be like you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Now that you're standing, you're ready to go and to fellowship with each other. May God bless our fellowship as we share with each other now. Amen. Amen.